Next on BYU Sports Nation, it's now official. BYU football locks in the 2019 football schedule. Did ESPN just provide the Cougars with the greatest home schedule ever? BYU hosts fourth-ranked Gonzaga tomorrow in men's hoops. What if the Cougars win the game? Plus, BYU women's hoops, nationally ranked and rolling. Head coach Jeff Judkins on what the next step is for his team. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, January 30th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with BYU football scheduling consultant, Jerem Jordan. They're definitely not doing that, I'll tell you that. Well, you can offer the advice. It's up to them if they want to take it or not, right? Yeah. Uh, no, it's a really compelling schedule. We'll get to it in a second. But, yeah, I, I uh, would rather win 10 games than over schedule. But uh, if BYU improves, then maybe they match the schedule. It just historically, it's been hard to win a certain amount against Power Fives and whatnot. But that's what I know about the schedule. The home schedule is amazing. In fact, it's the crowned jewel of independent home scheduling. BYU's, perhaps in BYU history, BYU's never had a better home schedule. Yeah, no question in, in terms within of names, independence. Yes. No question within independence, the best home schedule. But you yeah, have to go the, way back to try and find something that's even comparable. You're like, Air Force, Utah, TCU, and that Florida State. or BYU's had some really good home schedules. This is up there, man. Here's today's show lineup. NCAA basketball on topic as well as stats guru Ken Pomeroy joins us in 15 minutes. How in the world does St. Mary's lose to BYU and Pepperdine, and remain a top 40 team in his rankings. He'll explain. Jeff Judkins, jamming with Juddy in 30 minutes. We'll ask him what a 25th ranking in the AP poll does for BYU women's hoops and what it means to his program. And don't forget, the Draft Network's John Ledyard joins us in 40 minutes to talk about the draft stock of Corbin Kafusi, Sione Takitaki, and maybe a few others. We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football officially releases the 2019 football schedule. No opponent changes were made, but dates are subject to change. Home games for the Cougars include Power 5 opponents, Utah, USC, Washington, and rival Boise State. Men's Hoops hosts fourth-ranked Gonzaga tomorrow, 11 Eastern on ESPN2, The Deuce, and BYU Radio. Last night on BYU Basketball, Dave Rose, the coach, said we could see Joshier Hardnett back on the court this week. He practiced yesterday, and you could see him, you know, trying to find himself. Today was a lot better. He had a, had a good practice today. We'll see how he feels tomorrow, and he needs to see the doctor tomorrow and then see what happens. We'll go so, from there. Hopefully, we're, we're expecting that he can play this weekend. That'd be great. I hope so. More on what this means coming up and what's trending. BYU men's golf finishes in ninth place at the Arizona Invite after an eight-under par final round yesterday. The Cougars shot nine-under for the tournament. Carson Lundell, top-finishing Cougar at five-under and tied for 16th. Rhett the Jet Rasmussen carded a two-under par for the tournament. Shannon Evans and Natasha Marsh are the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Specialists of the Week. Evans scored a 9-9 on bars. Marsh a 9-9 on beam against Utah State Friday. Not surprising because Evans was a second-team All-American on bars last year. She's back to work. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, now 
it's official. Hit it. Countdown to the youths. That one's odd. Yeah, it's just, you know, when we have the 200 plus, it's just weird stuff. Once we get to the double digits, then it's like easy. Yes. 211 days. But now it feels official, Jerem, because the schedule is official. The BYU Cougars have locked in all 12 opponents. No opponent changes. I mean, some dates, times are always subject subject to change, but the schedule is now official. Okay. Now that it's locked in, my friend, what is your reaction to the 12-game slate for BYU football in 2019? It's fantastic uh, if you love a challenge, and I think BYU football does. Uh, certainly a tough start. And then to me, I've, I've said the first four, you know, okay, hey, if you can go two and two, that's great. The next four, I don't think people talk about enough, so let me continue to talk about it. At Toledo, game five. At South Florida, Boise State at Utah State. Really, really important. Of course, Utah, like you mentioned as the opener, at Tennessee, USC at home, Washington at home. Three of those, four in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Are you kidding me? That's going to be great. BYU goes on the road for three of four, and then BYU plays Liberty, Idaho State, at UMass, at San Diego State. This is a really, really good, tough, quality schedule, and I dare say perhaps the best home schedule BYU's ever had. Yeah, I like that you've broken this down into quadrants of four. Because Ooh, quad one game, what? the first four take us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is the only FBS team to start 2019, Jerem, with four consecutive Power Five opponents. They don't play another one after that. You just stats are for losers. Are they? Uh, the first four, those are really tough. But you have three or four at home. I think if BYU can split and go two and two, then they've got a shot to do something awesome. Now, last year, we looked at the first couple of games, and we were like, wow, that's really hard. The first five, I think, we were like, hey, if BYU can go two and three, they're probably in business. BYU went three and one and then lost at Washington to go three and two. So we were surprised by the Arizona win, surprised by the Cal loss, very surprised the whole nation was by the Wisconsin uh, win, and then you beat McNeese, and then you lose at Washington. So the best part of this is that we don't actually know what's going to happen, but I love talking about it. Yes. Because it's the preseason. I actually like talking about what could happen in the future more than actually what happened. (laughs) It's more fun. There's more posturing. We're more ambitious. We're more blue-goggled. I love it. The first four, the Power Five quadrant. The middle four, the road high-level group road of five warrior. quadrant. Yeah, the road the warrior G5 quadrant. Roadie, okay. roadies. Yeah. And then the back four is the auto hey, wins. <laughs> might as well <laughs> win all of them in the first quadrant. Three. Yes, BYU will win the games against Liberty and Idaho State and at UMass. Okay, the, at San Diego State, that's a pick em to me. San Diego State had an off year last year. Um, Who knows what they bring back. Right, but, and, and that's fun to be back in that stadium. I'm, I'm just going to call it Jack Murphy Stadium forever. I don't, I don't care what the current sponsor is. Um, but that's, it, yeah, you're right. It's fun. It's those first four, hey, can we get a split? You go on the road, can we get a split or go three and one? And then the last four, you're going, okay, there's three wins right there. So to get bowl eligible, which is the minimum standard of success, he's got to win three games in the first eight. So tell me what the three are looking at that schedule right there. Ooh, man. There's no guarantees, right? That, and that's kind of fun, but it's also scary. BYU, if they go 2-2 two and two in the first four and can manage, like you said, a split in the second four, the Road Warrior Group of Five quadrant, and they're 4-4 four and four going into the final four games. You, you get at least seven wins in the regular season, which to me is what I see. I see 7-5 and five when I look at this schedule. 
get to the Hawaii Bowl. And there was a really fun line, albeit obligatorily here. The Cougars have a bowl agreement to play in the 2019 Hawaii Bowl. If bowl eligible and not selected to participate in the New Year's Six of the college football playoffs. Hey, don't forget that exception. Don't, hey, if BYU, if B, here's my Blue favorite thing alert. when BYU Blue fans come up. Hey, but you can't Blue tell me if alert. we don't go undefeated, we wouldn't be in the playoff. I'm like, we're not going undefeated. What are you talking about? Well, then Get there's the conversation here. of <laughs> schedule so tough. That if BYU goes 11-1, and Jerem, that might get them into the New Year's Six, maybe the college football playoff. Okay, if that happens, call me. I'll give you my number. <laughs> Tomorrow night in a late one, BYU hosts one of the best teams in the country in men's hoops, the fourth-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs, who have won five of seven in the Marriott Center. Spencer... We've played this before with the Wisconsin yes. game in football. Yes. If BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, then what? I'm going to give you four numbers. 20, 12, 5, and 2. I'll start with 20. It will guarantee BYU wins 20 games this season. If they beat Gonzaga, the Cougars will win 20 games this season, and the streak for Dave Rose continues. The 12 now. BYU will win 12 West Coast Conference games. If they beat Gonzaga, Jerem. 16. They will go 12, 12 and 4. four. Ooh, yes. Wow. If they beat Gonzaga. Put these goggles on, bro. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Five. It would be the first home win against Gonzaga in five years. Yeah, BYU got Gonzaga before this kind of new era, right? Not to be confused with the magazine. Sorry. And two. BYU will finish as the number two team in the West Coast Conference. Which is basically number one. Right? It's the non-Gonzaga <laughs> West Coast Conference Championship. Yes, yes, if BYU can win the non-Gonzaga West Coast Conference Championship, that'd be a big deal. 20 wins. Yeah. BYU will win 12 conference games. They will beat Gonzaga for the first time at home in five years, and they will be the number two seed in the West Coast Conference Basketball Tournament. All of that happens if BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, and they're clearly solidified into the NIT. I'll give you a Biff-styled, not Back to the Future. What is it Home Alone, his brother or whatever? What's his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, He's also, is he also? Buzz. Buzz. Sorry, Buzz. Buzz. Woof. Buzz, Buzz's girlfriend, Woof. I'll give you a Buzz-style uh, countdown here. One, it would be the season-defining win for BYU. We discussed this yesterday. This would be the best win that BYU could have. Well, what if they win out Gonzaga? Okay, that's, ass, that's crazy, but that would top it. Okay, yes. Okay. This would be bigger than the Wisconsin win oh. in terms of how good Gonzaga is this season. Oh. Wisconsin ends up 8-5. and five. This Zags team has gone to four straight Sweet 16s. They're the only team in the country to do that, okay? But it was on the road in Madison. Only home loss for the Badgers this season. They ended up 8-5. Gonzaga is going to be a team that's, you know, in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, maybe even the Final Four. We'll see. B, BYU would also have played its best game of the season. Up to this point, uh, perhaps last Thursday was that best game. Either that or Utah State. Utah State, one of those two. This would have been that. And lastly, four. I said it was a buzz countdown. Four. Then Gonzaga shot sub-20% from three, and BYU shot 40% plus. Whoa. To me, that has to be a big difference for BYU. So I, and let's just get it out there just in case it does happen. Let's go on a single here. BYU will beat Gonzaga. There, I said it. That way, if BYU did it, it's like, oh, we, we said that it's going to happen. <laughs> we did this with Wisconsin. And you I said, have, you I have said, to cover I it. said it. I yeah. told you. I told okay, you they would I do totally it. I called it. I told you, hey, bro, I called hey, it, man. Totally called it. Yes. What's the line? Okay, more importantly, what does Dave Rose think about the matchup? Let's with find out. This will be obviously a really big game in the standings. I mean, someone's got to beat Gonzaga to make it a race. And, uh, you know, we've been able to do that 
you know, in uh, past years, and, and hopefully our guys will be ready. Okay, yes, I think BYU is going to be ready. Whether they can match what the, the Bulldogs bring is a different question. But I think there's going to be a lot of juice in the Marriott Center tomorrow night. Give me those huge blue goggles really quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's two okay. uses now. Okay. I use it for the New Year's Six Something thing. else, something else. What? If blue BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, Jerem, they'll be in the bubble conversation okay. for the NCAA tournament. You know what? We don't have glasses big enough <laughs> for that right now. That would be awesome, but it's not happening. Staying with BYU basketball, remember Jashir Hardnett? I do. Yeah, yeah. He's been out of the conversation for a while. Yeah. But now he's back in it. He has practiced the past few days. What impact will he have on BYU basketball when he returns to the floor, Jerem? He's a good defender. He can get to the rim. Perhaps T.J. Haas' role changed a little bit. I was interested this morning to look at how T.J. Haas performed statistically without Jashir Hardnett. I thought that T.J. was a better player without Jashir. The numbers do not bear that out. Um, he's, he's, uh, pr- he's averaging uh, 0.8 fewer points, shot 4% less from the field. Not huge differences, but worse. 16% worse from three, which is weird. The only thing that T.J. Haas did way better without Jashir Hardnett on the court with was turnover, uh, assist-to-turnover ratio. 3.2 to 2.2. Well, he had That's to be it. that guy, right? Yeah, so I wonder you know, how, how BYU makes sure that it's better off with Jashir. Because BYU did go 4-1 without him, and now you inject him into the lineup, was the third-leading scorer, guy that can play defense, guy that can get to the rim. I think this only helps, it, but it does change the dynamic with TJ, who had the ball. His usage rate was higher without Jashir. Um, it's always delicate, especially with a team like BYU this season, because they have been so wildly inconsistent. You don't want to mess something up that seems to be going well. So how do you How do you integrate him? That's a good question. Josh and that's why, they, this. that's why I think Dave Rose is the second highest paid church employee. He's got to figure that out. <laughs> Kalani being the first. Speaking of the second highest paid church employee, Dave Rose also spoke on <laughs> what Joshir Hardnett will bring to the court when he returns. Shear is a, a really good um, defensive player. What he, what he does, uh, you know, an ability, in, especially in transition, I think offensively, um, he's really quick with the ball. He's fast as far as uh, advancing the ball up the floor. Uh, he can get be, be, uh, between defenders and get to the rim and finish, and he's one of our best free throw shooters. So all those things are things that we can really use. All right. We just went through the list between you and Day Rose and myself, of things that Jashir Hardnett does really well. But how much do they play him? How is his role defined? Is it coming off How's of the his bench? Hand? Like, he, he really hurt his hand, right? Okay, do we have a lefty-on-lefty matchup, by the way, tomorrow night with Jashir Hardnett and Zach Norville Jr.? Ooh, okay. Just two lefties. Hey, I know how to guard you because I'm left-handed a little bit more. Um, Jesse Wade, by the way, uh, was asked by Dave Rose yesterday to play left-handed in practice to simulate Zach Norville Jr. And you know who knows the Zags the most? Uh, Jesse Wade. Jesse Wade. He was a Zag last year. So, Wait, is that the secret weapon, Jerem? Yes, I was just going to say, do you remember uh, an American tale? Release the secret weapon. That's, Je- <laughs> that's Jesse Wade. Okay, that's Jesse Wade. And perhaps BYU has a second one with Josh Shearhardnet. It's certainly going to be a tough matchup. I think BYU's guards actually match up. It's the forwards and the, uh, the post players where perhaps that's tougher. Because BYU could match up, in theory, with Hachimura and maybe even Clark. But it's like, and you have Tilly coming off the bench? Oh, boy. Are you, are you kidding me? You, that Corey Kispert is an emerging star on that team, too. They're really good. 
But there's something about the Marriott Center. There's something magical there that gives BYU it's a back. chance. It's back. The right? Marriott Center magic is back, or so it would seem. 10-1 and one this yes. year. Played really well. Went two wins over top 40 teams. This is, this is the toughest challenge, though. Houston isn't as good as Gonzaga. No, Houston's pretty good. They're ranked number 13, but they're but not quite Gonzaga. There's something about the house that Kresimir Chosich built, you know? BYU hasn't Go. beaten Gonzaga in Provo since 2014. Now's the time. Tomorrow, specifically. Our question of the day. If BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, then what? Spencer will shave his head. Nope. Oh, man. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from at Colton underscore Palmer 3 on Instagram. Then that should put BYU closer to the top 25. You know, we're talking about the men's team, right? And hopefully put BYU in second place in the conference. Se- second in the conference, for sure. Yes, it would put BYU closer to being in the top 25, but that won't happen this year. I'm telling you, if BYU beats Gonzaga at home and they get to 6-2 and two in conference, they're going to win. And you're one game out of Gonzaga and Lake? Dave Rose said win- someone's got to beat them. They're going to win 12 games in conference. Yeah, I don't know that anybody's going to beat Gonzaga. Perhaps once? Maybe. I don't see them losing twice. Yeah, the Zags, I, I, maybe I, they... I don't it would be it. a disappointment for Gonzaga fans if they finished anything less than 17-1 and one in conference. Or, sorry, 15-1 yeah. si- and one because there are only 16 games. There you go. Coming up, how validating is a top 25 ranking for the women's team? Jeff Judkins, and? And let's take a deep dive into the numbers once again with friend of the program and NCAA basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy. Where does BYU sit in the West Coast Conference in his Ken Palm rankings? This is BYU Sports Nation. He used to be a weather guy. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I don't know if you heard, but BYU hosts fourth-ranked Gonzaga, led by Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, and Zach Norville Jr. Tomorrow night, 11 Eastern, late one on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Pre-game at 10 Eastern, it is a big one in the Big Mac. Gonzaga, what are you doing here? Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Listen to BYUS and On Demand by downloading the BYU Sports Nation podcast. You can always watch the show. It's simple, BYUSN.com. Our question of the day, if, and we know it's a huge if, like huge if. 72 font. BYU beats Gonzaga tomorrow, then what? Mm. At Sid Bauer Bank on Instagram. Then BYU has a real shot at winning the conference tournament in Uh, Vegas. No, no. There's a bigger home court advantage in Vegas than Spokane for Gonzaga. The, it's, I've called it the Gonzaga Invitational for a reason. Presented, presented by, the West, by the West Coast Conference. And this year, also presented by University Credit Union. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Join our conversation. If BYU beats Gonzaga, then what? In on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline now is friend of the program, NCAA stats guru Ken Pomeroy. Ken, nice to have you back up, on Kenneth. the program. How are you holding up uh, midway through the college basketball season? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, no, this is a great time of year. So uh, holding up is pretty easy to do, fellas. <laughs> There's like a polar vortex going on in Chicago. You used to be a weatherman. Are you still a weatherman? I don't know. Uh, can you? What can you tell us about this? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an amateur weatherman at this point, but uh, it seems pretty nasty. Yeah, I mean, uh, temperatures in the what minus twenties, minus thirties, uh, even before wind chill. That's, you know, the wind chill is what gets you. Like, you can deal with really cold weather, but you just get a little breeze on top of that, and, man, it is pretty nasty. So, uh, you know, feel for those guys. It's uh, 
pretty pretty rough time there. Ken, if you could figure out a way for the polar vortex to somehow affect Gonzaga shooting in Provo tomorrow night, we would be eternally grateful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, it's going to take some something like that, I think. <laughs> when you look at the West Coast Conference right now, Coming out of non-conference, it was, hey, Gonzaga, San Francisco, really good. It looks like a two-bid league, but San Francisco has now lost two conference games, and St. Mary's has lost three. BYU is tied for second right now after really a slow non-conference slate. Is the West Coast Conference a two-bid league? Well, it's, man, it's tough, to, it's tough to see that happening. So, I mean, it, clearly I think we're, uh, as you alluded to in the intro there, we're talking about a scenario where Gonzaga – wins the, the conference tournament and, uh, you know, somebody else has to actually earn an at-large bid. And, uh, I mean, it's, one of these teams is going to have to get hot, you know, really hot. They're going to have to maybe not win out, but uh, get through the rest of the regular season with one, you know, maybe two losses if you're San Francisco. But, you know, the problem was, like, none of these teams outside of Gonzaga really got a quality win outside of the league. So, uh, uh, you know, there's – you can get quality wins inside the league this year. I mean, St. Mary's and, and USF are, uh, especially on the road, they're going to be quadrant one wins in the NCAA's eyes. But uh, beyond that, you know, obviously beating Gonzaga, of course, is going to be a quality win. But beyond that, um, you know, it's really hard to, to boost your resume. So it's going to take it's going to take one team, I think, finishing really strong of these, you know, uh, teams that are kind of chasing Gonzaga right now. Got Gonzaga four uh, uh, in your ratings on KenPalm.com. Uh, St. Mary's at forty, San Francisco at forty-three. How is St. Mary's forty at thirteen and nine, and uh, what are they four and three in league? How do they end up at uh, forty there? Yeah, so when you look at their uh, their losses, uh, they really haven't been blown out. Like all of their losses have been competitive, and they've all been to pretty good teams. Like I realize, you know, losing to. The Pepperdine last week was not, uh, you know, Pepperdine's not necessarily a team you think of as a, a good loss necessarily. But on the road, you know, uh, it's not a it's not a horrible loss. And if you're the 40th best team, you're going to lose a game like that uh, over the course of the season if you play enough of them. But you, know, you look at the rest of their their games. I mean, every game has been a single digit loss except for uh, Utah State back in the fourth game of the year. You know, they um, they played Mississippi State tough. They played LSU tough. Uh, the, uh, the USF game obviously was uh, a tight game pretty much all the way. So, um, the, you know, all those games on the road, close. Uh, you know, my system cares about those kind of factors, not just not just that you lose, but, you know, how you lose, who you're losing to. And, um, you know, St. Mary's obviously doesn't have the gaudy record. Uh, that's, you know, one of the reasons why they're not really getting at large consideration. But still, you know, Randy Bennett's still got a quality team. And uh, uh, it wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're the team that, that does end up, uh, you know, finishing second in the league. College basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy with us on BYU Sports Nation. Ken, if BYU beats Gonzaga, statistically in your Ken Palm rankings, how big of a jump would that give the Cougars? Yeah, it depends, you know, on the final score. But, uh, I mean, given that I have them as a 15-point underdog at the moment, uh, you know, that would be a pretty big shock to the system. So, I, you know, currently I have the Cougars 99th. So, you know, I could see them jumping up to, you know, if it's a close win, something like, I don't know, 80 or so, something like that. Um, seems to be about what you what you get for, for that kind of an upset this time of year and, and where BYU is ranked. So, yeah, it would be huge. Um, I mean, there is still, I mean, there's still a path. We're talking about at-large teams. There's still a path for BYU to get in at-large. You know, Whoa. They, well, it, well, they, explain. Well, I mean, if they, won all, if they won the rest of their games the regular season, I mean, obviously that would include two wins over Gonzaga, including a road win. So, uh, uh, you know, that would that would change the the – 
the view of this pretty considerably. You know, this would be two uh, pretty amazing wins. Uh, I, I mean, yes. you know, based on the way the Cougars have played, would you expect that? Obviously not. I mean, that's pretty much a long shot. But, hey, it's there. I mean, it is there. And I think uh, they certainly would start to get consideration if, if, that, if they did that. It is there, and I do appreciate that blue-goggled look because uh, <laughs> if BYU did beat Gonzaga twice, that certainly would change the game. So it starts with one tomorrow, right, against, uh, against the Zags. We're ranked fourth in the country. They're the number one offense, scoring offense, adjusted efficiency from you, top ten in all the, uh, you know, all the offensive metrics that matter. What has made this Gonzaga offense one of the best, if not the best, in the country this season? Well, they're just a machine. You know, normally you look at uh, great teams, great offenses, whatever you want to look at, great defenses. You know, any team that's doing something great, you look at it and and they have some sort of weakness that you can you can find, and they just cover up that weakness by doing everything else really well. But Gonzaga really doesn't have a weakness. Uh, you know, they obviously have the the great front line play with Clark and and Hachimura, but um, you know, they also have some shooting as well. I mean, it's not necessarily the strength, but you know, they got they have good shooters out there. Uh, obviously, you know, you got Zach Norvell, you got Josh Perkins. I mean, those are guys that can fill it up. Corey Kispert has, has contributed for them as well. So, uh, so you know, they can space the court. They got the guys up front with that are you know high major type athletes. Uh, so it's just a really you know it's a really difficult team to stop. They can draw fouls. They can get rebounds. Um, they're pretty good at handling the ball. You know, they, they have that experience in the backcourt. So uh, it's it's hard to find a you know a weakness that you can go after. Uh, if you're BYU, and that's why uh, you know that's why Gonzaga argue, arguably has the best offense in the country because there really um, aren't any weaknesses, and even against the great teams they played, you know they've been able to to score the ball pretty well. Ken, always great to hear from you. Uh, KenPom.com if you want all of that statistical goodness. I'm on it right now, Stan. From Ken Pomroy, oh, yes. Great. Jerem Jordan is on great. it often. Ken, I should let you know that. <laughs> well, of course, I appreciate I appreciate all the support, fellas, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Love it. All right, uh, we'll uh, get you back on after BYU wins uh, at Gonzaga later on uh, next month. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thanks, Ken. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. Ken Pomeroy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. If you're a college basketball guru and you love stats and stuff, he's the guy. The funny thing is he's he's, uh, he's a Salt Lake guy. Is that a Salt Lake? Yeah. Unless he's moved. Maybe I'm off on that. But, yeah, Salt Lake guy. So he he comes down to some BYU games, Utah games. He goes all over the country, but... It's pretty cool. His website's awesome. Okay, coming up, how, how much did the last two weeks improve Sione Takitaki's draft stock? We'll discuss with John Legend. Ooh, is he a guaranteed pick? NBA veteran and BYU women's head basketball coach Jeff Judkins back in studio. Jamming with Juddy. What's he more excited about, top 25 ranking or his first vlogging experience? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, some vlogging. That we're in the top 25, Spencer. Tonight at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio, we get better acquainted with the Cougars past and present as Gregor Bell hosts a weekly hour of in-depth convo. Tonight's guests are All-American runner Erica Burke-Jarvis, part of that DMR team that just set the record. Distance Badly Relay. And former hoopster Charles Abuo at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio tonight. Ooh, the basketball tournament. I wonder if that'll be on topic with Mr. Abuo. Let's keep it rolling, BYU Sports Nation, with part two of our headlines. BYU football makes it official. The 2019 football schedule in black. Now, no opponent changes, rather, were made, but dates are always subject to change. Home games for the Cougars in what is the best home independent schedule to date include Utah, USC, Washington, and rival Boise State. Ben Soup's host, fourth-ranked Gonzaga, tomorrow, 11 Eastern on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Last night on BYU Basketball with Dave Rose, the coach said, we could see Josh Hardnett back on the court this week. 
he practiced yesterday and you could see him you know trying to find himself today was a lot better he had a, had a good practice today we'll see how he feels tomorrow and he needs to see the doctor tomorrow and then see what happens we'll go from there hopefully we're, we're expecting that he can play this weekend it'd be great they hope so more on what this means coming up uh, a little bit later, BYU men's golf finishes in ninth place at the Arizona Invitational after an eight-under par final round yesterday. The Cougars shot nine-under for the tournament. Carson Lundell, top-finishing Cougar at five-under and tied for 16th. Rhett Rasmussen carded a two-under par. And in gymnastics, Shannon Evans and Natasha Marsh are the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Specialists of the Week. Evans scored a 9-9 on bars. Marsh a 9-9 on beam against Utah State Friday. On Kids Day, it was... It was uh, Shrillingly good. Oh, nicely played. SpongeBob. It's time to jam with Juddy. Yeah. The NBA veteran. Ranked. And friend of Larry Bird, head coach of BYU women's basketball, Jeff Judkins, back in Studio B. Coach, great to talk with you. It's good to be back. Your team is ranked. Congratulations. What does that mean to you and the team? Well, I think it it's uh, for the team, it means that we've been playing good basketball and people have recognized what we've been doing and I think our program for the last many years has, has done a good job. And so when people vote, they look at it and say, hey, BYU's played a good schedule. They've won the majority of their games, and um, we got some good players. And and so you just hopefully, you know, it, it's hard because you're excited about it. But we're now starting the second half of our conference, and um, we got to really focus on that. we got to con- continue to get better. And other team, teams now we're going to play the second time. They'll make adjustments. And, and the bullseye's on your back. And the bullseye's, team, on, big bullseye's game, on your back. Yeah. It is. But, you know, there's some players and there's some teams that like that. And there's some teams that don't. Uh, the Patriots are a great example. They like the bullseye on their back. They've always liked that. Everybody thinks you know. we suck. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> There's there's a lot of teams in, in, in that are going around. I mean, Gonzaga man, they've got the bullseye on their back. They've had it. They they relish that. So um, we just have to come out and play our game and do the things that we need to. Uh, I think we're getting better. I think uh, a lot of players are doing the things they need to for our team to improve, and our bench is getting a lot stronger. Um, so hopefully, we'll just keep going and and you know keep this up. At this juncture of the season, in your mind, what carries more weight, a national ranking or being projected to be in the NCAA tournament, currently a 10 seed, playing in Starkville against Texas? I know that's all yeah. subjective, but what, what, what carries more weight? Uh, the RPI. And the reason for that is you saw a few years ago when St. Mary's men were ranked in the top 15 and didn't go to the NCAA tournament. Um, so basically... Yeah, the ranking is great, and it, it's great for a lot of things, recruiting and, and all, and people get to recognize you, and you're on the you're on the scores, you know, on the TV, and all those things are positive. But when it all comes down to it, it's it's the RPI and where, and where you know where you land. Um, you know, my assistant coach Dan Nelson, he does my scheduling, and you know he really looks at that. He goes through the RPI when we're playing teams, how we're doing it. What we're, and he watches it constantly because it is important. It's important for us preseason-wise to schedule games that we can make our RPI improve. And then, of course, when we get in our league, this year our league has done very well with the RPI and how we've uh, scheduled. And so it won't hurt us as bad as it has in the past where we start playing teams that are 250, 300 RPI um, we don't have as many as those, so I think that's a real positive thing. 
Fury's 25 right now, and two of your three losses are to top 30 teams, 28 in uh, Cal, 29 in Utah. So, yeah. so not bad. Right where you want to be probably, right? Yeah, yeah. I think the one game Southern Utah hurt, but sure. but maybe that was got us going and got us fired up. And sometimes the coach, you, you would take those. But I'd like to play California now. I saw him play uh, – the other day, and they don't seem to be playing quite as well as they did when they played us, and that's part of it. That's that's the part I don't understand is certain times of the season, teams are playing better or they're playing worse, and sometimes you get penalized for playing a team early. This play, you know, playing very well, and then they tank it at the end, and then you get penalized for that. And I wish they'd look at it and say, okay, when you played them, they were a twenty-five RPI, and now they're sixty. They drop because of either injuries or they're just not playing as good. And um, that part of it, I wish they would do some changing. But it's I, I look at I saw when I walked in on the men's RPI. And I, you know, heck with that. You know, I mean, who do you know who beats who and who does that? And, and they got uh, rid of RPI for the men this year. They have this new ranking that takes yeah. into account other things. Yeah, I, so I didn't. I didn't hear. Our, yeah, I didn't RPI's hear. antiquated, but it's still used with women's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think you can look at it. You know what teams are better. You know, what teams is there? I, mean, I watch TV and I go, that team's an NCAA team. That team isn't. I think the 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 big five conferences, I mean, especially this year with the men, the Pac-12 was way overrated. Um, From know, a former Pac-8-10 player. Well, it's... I, I, I like that. No, I just I, <laughs> no, I just think, I look at them, I just think right. they're, they're not as good as they've been in the past. When I watch their teams on TV... I look at it and say Gonzaga. Gonzaga is a top five team. When you watch them play, you see that they are. You see Tennessee is. You see that Duke is. You know Kansas has kind of dropped a little bit, but Kentucky now is starting to move up, and they were struggling with the. So, you know, it's a crazy thing. But you just you just do it. You of course played in the old whack. I'm. <coughs> I know. Just. Uh, last night on BYU basketball, Dave Rose. Dave was very complimentary of your team, saying, "I used to in the Marriott Center when my office was in there." not ever kind of interact with the women too much. You know, I, I couldn't see him practice. But he said, now I get to see him. And, and they're in there all the time putting in the work. He was really impressed by your team this year. Well, I, I think we have a lot of players that that put the time in. There's no question the annex uh, makes it so convenient for our players to work on their games. And we've tried as a coaching staff to really be there. Um, you know, Ray and Ashley and Dan do a great job of – going to work with these players when they want some help on their shot. Um, practices aren't quite as long now, so you do have a little bit more time to do some individual work. But, um, yeah, I've got a lot of gym rats, and I think that's I think that's important. Jeff Judkins with us on BYU Sports Nation. We talk about Dave Rose. Now he's facing a situation where not only does he have fourth-ranked Gonzaga coming into the Marriott Center tomorrow night, he now has a point guard in Jasheer Hardnett that's coming off of an injury, and BYU's been playing well without Jasheer, 4-1. and one. How do you balance bringing him back into the rotation when you know he's a good player, but you don't want to disrupt what's been working well on the floor? Well, I don't think Dave will change his starting lineup because, like you said, they're going 4-1, and one and... You know, the other night I watched that game against uh, St. Mary's, and it was the best defensive effort I've seen BYU play probably this year for sure. I thought Cannon was outstanding at what he did to Ford and and controlling. He's going to have to do that tomorrow night with their point guard and and get them where they're not running their offense where they want to. Uh, then I think I think their inside presence has been so much better defensively 
they're more active, and they're going to have to be active with Gonzaga. One thing, though, Dave has always done a good job against Gonzaga. He's The way his style is, the way he coaches, and when he takes him out of Gonzaga, has always, always struggled with BYU. And I think they're playing their best ball right now. Now, what do you do with with Hart? Do you bring him in? Yeah, he you see how he is in practice and what you do, and you bring him in in a situation where he can be successful and he's going to help the team. And um, Dave's done this many, many times, so it's not like he, this is something new to him. He's going to do what's best for the team and what's going to fit in and what's what matchups are going to be the best. He probably right now knows what – what matchup is the best for him to come in and, and guard. I think having him back will help because that gives them one more really good defensive player that can lock into people and do it and also bring the ball up with pressure. I think Nick Emery's I think he's been a he's been a pleasant surprise defensively. You know, he had a bad rap when he first came, he didn't want to guard anybody. I, but you watch him and he has been a total like just really coming in and defending and doing doing the things that he needs to first team and I wish we'd be here we're going to be playing LMU I wish I could be at this game because it would be awesome hey you got to take care of business against LMU let's finish with this you're at LMU you leave today for that trip and then at Pepperdine uh what's the key to coming home with a couple of victories well LMU is is it going to pressure us and try to up tempo the game we have to handle that we're going to do a lot of different things we're going to man we're going to zone we're going to box and one we're going to do a bunch of different things that hopefully can get her off um, and we just, we, it's just going to be a great game. They, this is a big, for them, it's a must probably for us. It's a must too. You know, we, we take care of business and win this game, um, on the road that puts us in a, in a great position. I, I really have not looked at Pepperdine. I do know that they're playing very, very well after they played us, they went on a winning streak. Um, so they're playing very good. They have, if not the best player, one of the best players in the league in Robinson, she causes a lot of problems uh, with the matchup. So, um, you know, we'll see. Ho- hopefully we'll come out and play our, our best ball too. Coach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the road trip. And I look forward to your road vlogging, including uh, all next, of your staff doing impersonations of you. <laughs> Between the lines. I'm, I'm looking forward to that next Tuesday. It'll be awesome. <laughs> I'm going to try to do a little bit on this trip. I, I have those two players. They'll help me. <laughs> but I don't know. Awesome. I look at this and I go, like, do I really have time to be doing all this? Yes you know, is the answer. You know, time is very valuable, especially during the season when you're trying to watch, film, recruit, um, and do the, all the other things, all the other duties of your life that you need to do. You have time. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. No sleep. <laughs> Coming up, who has the higher draft stock right now? Corbin Kafusi or Sione Takitai? We'll ask John Ledyard from the Draft Network next. This is BYU Sports Nation. You could have vlogged this. Next time, bring it. Bring your phone. Record it. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. One week from today. National Signing Day, people. BYU football recruits will sign on the dotted line. We have a two-hour special from 12 to 2 Eastern time, February 6th. Do not miss it. Kalani Satake and company will talk about the newest batch of Cougars. Cannot wait. Next Wednesday, two-hour dish starting at noon Eastern. It's a three-guest day on BYU Sports Nation, and the third and final of the hour is John Ledyard from the Draft Network, NFL draft expert on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. John, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Hey, first and foremost, we want to wish you a sincere congratulations on hitting Fred Warner dead on the mark last year. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. yeah, man. Well done. What did you know that we didn't? I don't know. I just Nobody was really talking about Fred Warner. And so I, going into the senior bowl, I was a little bit skeptical because I knew he was going to have to play. He was an edge rusher who didn't rush the quarterback. So it was... It was a weird situation. I think that's what made a lot of people be a little more hesitant to get to him. But, you know, I was intrigued by what I saw from him in coverage. But really, that was it in terms of his skill set. He didn't really play behind the line of scrimmage. So you didn't really get a great feel for how he was going to be as a true off-ball guy. But then at the Senior Bowl, it was almost all behind the line of scrimmage. So you got to see him go through his reads, and it was just so natural for him. He was he took to it so quickly. He was such a smart football player. I did a piece back on uh, when I was working for NDT scouting before we became the draft network where we are now. Um, that piece, I don't think you can find it anymore on the internet, but I basically broke down his senior bowl tape, uh, the film from the senior bowl, the game and the practices. And was like, look, this guy's seeing his reads. He's keying on pulling guards. He's attacking the gap. He's aggressive coming downhill. He's going to be really good around the box. And I think he's a good enough athlete to be able to play in coverage and do some things there too. So it translated quickly for him in the NFL, which didn't surprise me. The one thing he has to clean up is the same thing he had issues with in college, missed tackles. He's got to get guys on the ground 1v1 more often to be relied upon as, as, a, more con, as a consistent playmaker, I think. And I think he has the same level of talent as guys like Darius Leonard and, and Roquan Smith and those kind of guys. I think he can be in that similar conversation with those guys. Um, you know, obviously a really good linebacker class, but he's just got to get guys on the ground more consistently 1v1. I think he will as his career, you know, progresses, but I think that's got to be a big priority for him in the offseason. Quite the compliment and commentary on Fred Warner. Now we look ahead to 2019 this year, the potential Cougars who could be drafted. It would seem that there are three names in the mix. Perhaps you feel otherwise. Corbin Kafusi, the defensive end. Sione Taki, the linebacker who's really made a splash the last two weeks. And then Austin Hoyt, a uh, tackle. What do you think of those guys? Yeah, so I've barely seen any of Hoyt at this point. I'm intrigued by him, but I have to get to way more tape studying him. So I'll reserve judgment on him until I've seen a little bit more. Kalfusi, I've watched over the years, watched uh, his whole family, right? He's gone to BYU. I think there, I think it wasn't their dad, like a, wasn't their dad a coach there? Yes. And uh, played in the NFL. And then the Bronson Kalfusi's right. with the Jets was with the Ravens. And now Devin, the younger right. brother is a sophomore. So yeah, it's the whole family. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I watched Bronson coming out. I talked to him a lot at the senior boys year, man. Awesome kid, awesome family. So, you know, they're going to check the, the boxes character wise. Certainly love the game of football. Um, with Kalfuzi, the biggest issue is pad level and not having, like, where's his natural fit, you know, because he played standing up on the edge sometimes for BYU. He played with his hand down, and certainly he has intriguing length uh, and can get in the passing lanes and things like that, but probably not going to test at a high level athletically. So we see an every down edge guy, see kind of a rotational piece for a team. I think he's going to have to prove that he can pass rush from the inside. When he gets to a camp, and he'll get to a camp, he's going to have to prove that he can be an interior pass rusher and hold up well enough against the run to, to be an adequate presence there and not get bullied around. But the pad level is definitely an issue. But I like, I mean, effort-wise, you're definitely getting what you want. Like I said, the length is intriguing. There are times he can keep blockers off his frame really well at times. Um, so I think that that's going to be the key for him. What kind of value does he, because he's probably not going to be an every down guy in the NFL. So what value does he give as a long and late downs type nickel inside rusher? Um, can he be a player of that magnitude or at least develop into a player of that magnitude? That will be kind of the key for him. And for Takataki, I think, man, I, I, I watched him at the shrine and I was like, man, this, this guy's, this guy's all right. Like he can play, like he's 
definitely doesn't hesitate, super physical. Um, then I didn't see much of him at the senior bowl. I know he got there late, and I, I didn't notice. I, the linebackers are kind of pointless to watch usually unless it's backs on backers uh, in practice. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't get to see a ton of him in the, in the practice or in the game, but um, very physical guy on his tape. You, know, you can tell he doesn't hesitate to kind of come downhill, and uh, he'll, he'll pop guys at times if need be as well. So, um, you know, I think he takes on blocks. I mean, he's just not the biggest linebacker, and athletically you can see the limitations are pretty real. He also kind of played all over, so the versatility, you know, may be big for him. But obviously day three guys we're talking about here, and I think that the desire, the, the need is going to be for them to prove themselves on special teams in the NFL. And he certainly kind of has, he's a good tackler, it seems like, so far in his tape, and um, definitely a physical guy who welcomes that aspect of the game. So those traits really lend themselves pretty well. But the, the key for him is going to be athletic testing. I don't know whether he's a combine invite or not, uh, or whether it'll have to be at his pro day, but he's got to test well and show teams that he can move uh, because in today's NFL, linebackers that are starting that are playing on the field they got to be able to move your depth guys got to be able to move because you want them to run on special teams and you want them to be able to to opt in at least on passing down so that is more prevalent for linebackers these days than ever before and so i think that's going to be big for him but he plays with a cowboy collar so you know he's got some swagger. <laughs> Seriously. That, that moved him up my board immediately. John Ledyard of the Draft Network with us on BYU Sports Nation. Who has the best chance to be drafted? Is it Corbin Kafusi or is it Sione Takitaki? I think it's Takitaki. I think he definitely is the, is the one with the better chance. You know, Kafusi is going to get some interest. There will be certain scheme fits maybe for him. And, again, it will come down to testing. You know, some guys can – some guys really test well, even though if they don't play that athletically. I don't think either guy's a great athlete on tape, but when when they test, somebody could could really impress and intrigue a team enough that they pull the trigger. So uh, maybe I'll be wrong, but I think Takataki. I think that there's uh, more of a chance for him to make an impact on special teams than there is for Calvusi, since both of them are going to be you know day three picks at best. That is probably going to be a big difference maker in the minds of NFL teams. So I would bet that uh, he has a the better chance of being drafted because of that. John, we need to go, do this again before the draft. Uh, in the time being, how do people find your stuff right now? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. Uh, and you can follow the Draft Network at Draft Network LLC. We've got lots of new content and features and things like that rolling out uh, over the next couple of weeks, especially right before the combine. So good time to be following along with the DraftNetwork.com. All right, John. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. John Ledyard on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Tremendous break. Does he know his stuff? Those guys. Does he know his stuff? That was, that was awesome. Uh, and a little bit surprised that uh, he has Sione over Corbin as the most draftable guy. There you go. Coming up, Tom Homo will address the media today. BYU is athletic director and some Cougar specialists coming up in the middle. Plus, Moroni Laulupututau is running, Jerem. This is crazy. It's been four months since he tore his ACL. He looks like a gazelle. An update, including video for those watching. This is BYU Sports Nation. We're like a tiger. Shout out to today's guest, Ken Pomeroy, college basketball stats man. The head coach of BYU women's basketball, Jeff Judkins, and John Ledyard of the NFL Draft Network. If you miss any of today's show, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to watch full episodes. It would seem we can get three guests on a day, potentially, but uh, no time for Dennis Pitta, so let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU Football officially releases the 2019 schedule. Home games include Power 5 opponents Utah, USC, Washington, and rival Boise State. 
basketball. BYU hosts fourth-ranked Gonzaga tomorrow, 11 Eastern, 9 Mountain, live on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Last night on BYU Basketball with Dave Rose, the coach said we could see Jasheer Hardnett back on the court this week. Golf. The men's team finished in ninth place at the Arizona Invitational at 8 under par. Carson Lundell was the top Cougar at 500, tied for 16th. Gymnastics. Shannon Evans and Natasha Marsh, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference Specialist of the Week. Evans scored a 9-9 on the uneven bars. Marsh scored a 9-9 on beam against Utah State last Friday. Athletics News. Athletic Director Tom Homo is talking to the media today for a semi-annual State of the Program discussion. I'll be there. I'll tweet the best info this afternoon. And, of course, we'll discuss on the show tomorrow. All right, today's Rise and Shout goes to Moroni Laulupututau, who posted a video yesterday of him running and running well, saying that he has graduated from pool work. The tight end tore his ACL. MCL and meniscus. MCL and meniscus at Washington last season. I mean, we're talking a significant knee injury, and okay. he's running four months after the fact. He had some groundbreaking surgery. Dick Harmon of the Deseret News had a really nice article exploring what happened there, and this is four months after. This is insane. This is I, like I, Taysom not, Hill status. He's not sprinting, right? Like he's getting, quote, striders in, but really impressive progress. I wonder if he'll be involved in uh, spring ball at all. Perhaps not. You wait. But he is a big piece, oh. uh, pun intended, for the BYU football team because I think he is arguably – he's one of the top three players he's on He's a offense. difference maker. Yes. He's the type of guy that if you throw back into the lineup, you think maybe BYU wins one more football game We discussed game last that year. yesterday. BYU went two and four in games decided by seven or less. If, if MLP had played that whole season, I think BYU wins at least one of those games. There you go. Third down machine. Absolutely. He was blocking well, catching everything. He was awesome. Our question of the day, if BYU basketball beats Gonzaga tomorrow, then what? At dhar 36 underscore Don on Twitter. Then that means they play defense. Oh, come on. The elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years at Jake R. Kemp says, then BYU is better than Duke. Okay. Transitive property. BYU gets a top four seed in the tournament, and Yoli should go number one in the draft. I believe that's how it works, right, with those transitive How far properties? in the West Coast Conference tournament, perhaps? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSA. What a show. You missed any of it? Download the podcast. For Jerem, I am Buckets. Spencer. Shout out to Tyler Anderson. Ooh. He, he's still sprinting, Jerem. Warm high, dude. Go Cougs. Or is it Lincoln high?